Amen. That's right. Well, hey, one day uh, Kenny goes to the doctor to get a checkup, right? It's a good thing to do once in a while. And he tells his doctor that he thinks his wife, Lori, is losing her hearing. Interesting. And so the doctor says to Kenny, he says, well, hey, here's what you do, Kenny. Just do the simple test, okay? Stand about 15 feet behind Lori and say, honey, okay? And then move about three feet closer and then say it again, honey. And then keep moving three feet closer until she finally responds to you. And he says, now remember how close you were when she finally gives you that answer. This is going to help me to determine just how bad her hearing loss is. So about a month later on, Kenny goes back to the doctor again, you know, and so the doctor asked him, well, well did you do that experiment with your wife's hearing? And Kenny said, yeah. And the doctor said, well, well, how close did you get before she answered you? And Kenny said, well, by the time I got about three feet away, she just turned around and said, for the fifth time, what? <laughs> <laughs> and all the ladies said, amen. amen, preacher, preacher, that's right. That's good. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. That's our big point today. No. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He was making a crack earlier about hearing. But anyway, that's right. Seriously, folks, how many guys can obviously, number one, not only identify with Lori's pain there? Okay, that's pretty obvious. But uh, number two, how many guys would say that Kenny's horrible assumption about his wife's hearing made things a whole lot worse for him? Right? They're getting ready to. Okay, but that's right, folks. Believe it or not, you know the punchline's coming. The Bible says that one day the whole planet's going to make a horrible assumption and it's going to make things a whole lot worse. And that's going to happen at the rapture. Of the church and the reason why it's going to be such a horrible time for folks is because for those who refuse to accept jesus christ as their lord and savior they are going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation and that my friends is not a joke it is an outpouring of god's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet i.e planet earth in fact jesus warned us about that time he said it's going to be a time of greater horror than this planet has ever seen or will ever see again and that unless god shortened that time frame the entire human race would be completely wiped out but as we've been seeing, praise God. God's not just a God of wrath, dishing out his justice, having the last word on evil and suffering, which is anybody looking forward to that time? I'm looking forward to that time in the millennial kingdom when all this baloney is done with, okay? But he's also a God of love as well, okay? And because he loves you and I, he's given us so many warning signs to let us know when the tribulation was near and when Jesus Christ's second coming was just around the corner. Therefore, in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day, uh, being left behind. Okay, we're going to continue our study called The Final Countdown. We've already seen the number 10 sign was? Jewish people, I'm counting on you, John. That's right. Uh, no pressure. Uh, the number 9 sign was? Modern technology. The number 8 sign was? Worldwide upheaval. The number 7 sign was? Rise of all said, hey, we said last week, just sit next to John. You'll feel much better before you leave. He's got all the right answers. And the last five times, if you saw, uh, we saw the number 6 sign was the rise of what? Wickedness, okay, on our final countdown study. And what we saw is God lovingly foretold you and I that when we see this massive increase of absolute unadulterated wickedness in all levels of society, all over the world, which is happening right now, today, not 50 years from now, it's happening right now, thanks in part to a wicked worldview we saw called humanism, a wicked teaching and attack from atheistic evolution, a wicked worship called self-love, self-esteem, getting us to act like Satan, a wicked a lifestyle called hedonism, and last if you were here, a wicked connection with the occult, occultism. And what we saw is that's happening, believe it or not, right now, today, all over the world with this increase of drug usage, demon worship, and even demonic witchcraft. As we saw in Revelation chapter 9, if you were here, that's exactly what's going to happen in the last days. It's a sign from God. That's the generation we're in. Like it, lump it, leave it or not, we are in that generation of the last days and it also explained why in the world and how in the world did we go from being such a mighty awesome godly christian nation 
into what we got today. There's been a deliberate infiltration into our country from all those areas, okay? But that's not all. I'm still preaching on it, John, so guess what? There's got to be more. Or whoever what is correct as well. The fifth sign, <laughs> there must be more than one John here. Now, isn't my hearing? But anyway, that's right. <laughs> the number five sign on the final countdown is the rise of what? Apostasy. What? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I wish I was. It's going to be a horrible time. You don't want to be there. The Bible says not only is the world going down the tube, so is the church. Not only in the last days is the world going down the tube, so is the church. And this dispels a lot of people out there with this false teaching. Oh, it's going to get better. And the church is going to usher in the millennial kingdom. And the bride of Christ is going to cleanse herself. And it's by our good and godly behavior that Jesus, after we clean our act up, he's then going to come back. That's a lie. The Bible says the church is going down the tubes just like the world. Jesus is coming back in judgment at the end of the seven-year tribulation at the battle of Armageddon. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. He tells us clearly about this apostasy. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. Let's take a look at the text here. If you find uh, 2 Timothy, what do you do? Or something. Uh, 1 Timothy 4. <laughs> I shouldn't have made that hearing joke. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 6 is our context we're going to read today. So you take a look, folks. I'm not making this up. It ain't just the world. We just saw five weeks of the world getting wicked. Man, wait till you see what's going to happen to the church. It ain't pretty, folks. And we need to stay clean. We need to be on the narrow road that leads to life, not the broad road that leads to destruction that Jesus warned about. We need to make sure that we're not one of the, the, the goats. We're the sheep. We got to be the wheat, not the tares. The Bible says there's going to be flooded. We're going to see that today. Let's take a look at what's going to happen in the church in the last days. Paul says this, verse 1, 1 Timothy 4. He says, the Spirit, i.e. God, the Holy Spirit, clearly says that in the latter times or last days, some, and the context is the church, are going to what? Abandon the faith. And not only that, then what are they going to do? They're going to follow deceiving spirits and things taught by what? How many guys would say that's a bad time in the church? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and he says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars and whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and they, they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. And if you point these things out, Timothy, to the brothers, to the church, you're gonna be a bad minister because don't you know that that's gonna freak people out when you talk about this stuff? and the church shouldn't talk about this. Don't mention wrath. Don't mention hell. Don't talk about the end times because then everybody's going to leave and run. And what did he say here in the context? He says, you're going to be a good minister, Timothy. That's what you're supposed to do. You need to warn people. He says right there, he says, if you point these things out to the brothers, you're going to be a good minister of Christ Jesus brought up in the truths of the faith, okay, and, and of the good teaching that you have followed. And folks, what we clearly see in this text, there's not a much of a need for explanation here, but what it says is yet another characteristic that we are in that last day's generation is not just in the world it's going to go down the tubes. It says here the church is going to go down the tubes. What did it say there? Clearly, the Holy Spirit is telling us in the last days, the latter times, that people in the church are going to apostate they are going to abandon the christian faith they are going to turn away they're going to leave the faith for demonic teachings can you believe that and apparently that's when the show begins because you got to keep the show going right they're going to be pretending to be religious even christian religious they're going to give the appearance of being christians but they're going to show their true faith by turn their true colors by turning away from the christian faith and following hypocritical teachings okay and granted, the, the skeptic might say, well, so what? If you study church history, we've always had some perverted truths of Christianity and people follow them. What's the big deal? So what? 
Well, folks, what I'm about to show you is just absolutely amazing. What's not common, folks, is how in the last, I'm not, I'm not even saying century, I'm just saying the last two decades, okay? The last two decades, there's been a mass exodus of people claiming to be Christians, that's the key word, claim, we'll get to that in a second, who are turning from even the basic truths of Christianity. They're following all kinds of whacked out stuff, and it's getting worse. And to show you just how bad it's gotten, and it's escalating before our very eyes, let's take a look at the change of beliefs of people claiming to be Christians, even here in America, in just the last two decades or less. Let's take a look. And that's what they said was they're going to turn away from the faith. This is just core Christianity. Here's what's going on. Not in the world, guys. I expect that from the world. They don't know better. This is from people in the church claiming to be Christians. Let's take a look. 80% of Christians, first of all, in the church believe that the Bible teaches that God helps those who helps themselves. Problem is, that's nowhere in the Bible. Okay. Uh, here's another one. 53% in the church say, hey, the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. We just read the text. I'm not, hey, all stats can be documented. Uh, half the church doesn't even believe what we just read in the Bible. The spirit, what spirit? That's just make-believe. It's a myth. Okay, it gets even worse. 12% of people in the church say, I don't know what's going to happen after I die. <laughs> in the church, okay? 25% in the church of America agreed that it doesn't matter what faith you follow because all faith groups teach the same lessons, right? How many of you guys heard that lie? One out of four of you here today, if that was true here, and I hope it's not, one whole section in this church, that's what you believe in this facility right now. That's as crazy as that is. 30% say Jesus Christ died, but he never had a physical resurrection in the church. The Bible says if that's uh, true, folks, if he didn't rise from the dead, this, our faith is futile, we're still dead in our sins. This is a bunch of baloney. Almost a third of the church right now says that. 29% contend that when he lived on earth, Jesus Christ was human and he committed sins just like other people then he could not have been the sinless sacrifice to pay for all of our sins to be forgiven. But that's in the church, folks. This is not the world. 29%, again, also believe that there are some crimes or sins or other things which people might do which cannot be forgiven by God. Then why did Jesus say it's finished? Why does he say nothing can snatch you out of my hand? And on and on and go. Excuse me, that's in the church. 65, I said you, this is last week, 65% of people polled claiming to be Christians says Satan doesn't even exist. In the church, 65%. 22% agreed that all people will experience the same outcomes after death regardless of their religious beliefs. Doesn't matter. Take or pick. But isn't that the attitude today? And it's increasing even in the church. And 31% says that a good person can earn his or way into heaven. But, you know, do these good religious deeds. And this is in the church. Folks, I don't know about you, and it might be a shock to us, but this is the stats that's going on in our country, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes I've learned that as churches, we get into our own little bubble. And we don't realize really what's going on around us. And this is what's telling us, folks, is what's happening into our country, okay? I don't know about you, but it looks to me there's been a massive rise of apostasy, people turning away, exactly like the text said, even from the basic truths of Christianity in just the last 20 years, right? It's escalating, it's getting worse, and that's exactly what the Bible said would happen when? in the latter times, when you were in the last days. But my question is this, how could there be this mass exodus of people deliberately turning away from even the basic truths of Christianity, not in the world, but in the so-called church, especially as we see with America, with our godly heritage? How could that happen so fast? Well, AJ and John, you guys are beating me on that. Uh, great questions, guys. I saw you competing there. Uh, uh, great question. It works well with my notes. The first reason why uh, that so many people in the church have turned away from even the basic truths of Christianity is because we have experienced a massive flood of phony baloney Christians in the church. 
a massive flood in these last decades because we don't even know what the gospel is anymore. Okay, it seems, and we'll get to that maybe later, of phony baloney uh, Christians. And folks, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about fake Christians in the church, fake believers, call them what you will. Little do people realize, folks, of what an epidemic this is. If you were here last week, we saw, believe it or not, how Satanists and witches are coming into the church and they are purposely wreaking havoc and all kinds of trouble, right? Remember that? But that ain't all of it, folks, is why the church is so messed up today. We are also at the same time as that, as wild as that is, we are experiencing a whole flood of phony baloney believers. And just like Satanists and just like witches, sometimes they too are hard to spot. Because they, just like the other guys, have learned the Christianese language. They dress with the right clothes. They know how to talk the talk. They know the Christianese. They might have even gotten baptized. They might even become members of the church, but that doesn't mean they're saved. The proof is in the pudding. In fact, believe it or not, Jesus warned us about these kind of people. They could be in the midst of you. They might even be a pastor. Doesn't mean they're saved. Here's what Jesus said in John. Let's take a look at the text. John chapter 6, verse 63 through 64 and 70 through 71. Jesus has said, these words I've spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who what? Who don't believe. Jesus knows the heart. You might fool me, you might fool the church. You're not gonna fool God, okay? He said, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe. He knew from the start. Not later down the road as he observed the details. He knew from the beginning who was real and who was not, and who would believe and who would betray him. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12, and yet one of you from Jesus, he says, is a devil. And of course, he was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon the Iscariot, who, though of the 12, he was right there in their midst, he was later to what? Betray him. And this is what's wild about this passage. Jesus not only does not hesitate to tell the people who were following him in his midst, listening to his teachings, that he was not only from God, but he demonstrated that he himself was God. And if you're paying attention there, the way he demonstrates that is by only knowing what God could know, and that's a person's heart. He knew exactly, nobody was fooling him. He knew exactly who was a real one and who wasn't. He knew Judas all along. And this tells us the absolute wild truth, folks. Listen to this. And this helps explain why sometimes there's a lot of problems in churches today. According to Jesus, not everyone who claims to be a disciple of Christ is one. Isn't that what he's saying? Not everyone who claims to be a disciple of Christ is one. As we saw, the Bible clearly says in the last days that people in the church are going to be counterfeit disciples just like Judas Iscariot. Yeah, they might be going to a church service. But how many guys heard this thing? Going to a church service doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You got to be born again, right? The Bible gives examples of the wheats and the tares and the sheeps and the goats, and it's going to happen. You and I can be fooled because we can't see the heart, but God sees it all. And he says, in the midst of you, there's the enemy's going to sow bad seeds. Pay attention. And you might be thinking, come on, Pastor Billy, that's kind of creepy. I mean, last week we saw Satanists and witches could be here too. I was surprised so many came back this week. But you mean to tell me that the American church is full of phony, baloney Christians that could be possibly sitting right beside us, you know, doing the same thing, stand up, sit down, do this, pass this, whatever? Yeah. In fact, they're getting pretty bold about it. One of them, his name is Larry. Not to be confused with any Larry here today. <laughs> his name is Larry. He admits it, folks. He's in the church. Check this out. I would really call myself an agnostic. Um, I live my life the way I believe it should be lived, which is, as I said, very much uh, along Christian value lines. But, yeah, I, I just don't. 
I'm not convinced, and quite frankly, I don't, uh, you know, I don't worry about it. I don't really care. I go to a church, I support the church and everything else, and, you know, I'm very much in favor of it. You know, I believe in strong morals that, uh, you know, I have strong family values, and I want to bring them up in my children. Uh, I also have a belief that, you know, my views are my views, and other people believe what they want to believe, and I don't want to get in arguments or try to convince them otherwise. Logically, intellectually, I have a hard time grasping that Christianity is necessarily right. I mean, why, I mean, take Judaism, for example, why isn't that just another mythology? Why isn't that, I mean, the Romans had mythology, Greeks had mythology, so, you know, why isn't Christianity just another mythology? I mean, you look at Jesus Christ and you say, had to be a phenomenal human being, a phenomenal leader. He was able to you know, call himself the Son of God, have a bunch of disciples, and get a lot of people to believe that he was the Son of God and to reaffirm their belief in God. And that then evolved historically into a, a great religion. My view of the uh, afterlife is there is none. Life ends um, when you die. Uh, you didn't exist beforehand, and you will not exist afterwards. Where's Larry? But where is he going every week? Church services. He had some nice clothes on. He passed the plate there. He stood up when you're supposed to, when you're supposed to sing anyway. He prayed with his family around meals. He believes in good morals. But as Larry admitted, what's wrong with Larry? As you said, say it again. He's lost in the church. Folks, I'm telling you, we better wake up and deal with the facts. We're living in that generation. The American church is flooded right now with phony, baloney believers. It was bad enough with some Satanists and witches, but throw this in the mix. No wonder things are messed up, right? And the point is, that's exactly what the Bible said was going to happen in the last days. In fact, I've shared before in the Wednesday night studies, I used to have what I called the 50-50 rule. When you're paying attention to John 6 and when Jesus talks about these Judas Iscariots in the church, okay, and we're going to see some other passages dealing with that. Uh, uh, I used to have 50-50 rule that, you know, if you're just playing it even across the American church, knowing this, you probably got half the American church, any given church service, half of them probably don't know Christ. Okay, that was my rule. But I remember uh, years back, I read the biography of D. James Kennedy, and he cranked it up, and he's got many more years of experience in ministry than, than myself, and he's now with the, with the Lord. But he, he had that number up to 80%. I said, are you serious? 80% of the people in the American church don't know Christ? And in his biography, he said, yeah, it's pretty simple with all the years of experience. He said, the reason why is because we even crack jokes about it. He says it's based on the 80-20 tw rule and the 20-80 rule. Remember that one? And we, we talk about this in the church. It's where 20% of the people in the church do 100% of the work and 80% of the people do nothing, right? And he says it's simple. The reason why 80% of the people are doing nothing is because 80%, according to him, probably don't know Christ. Because if you truly belong to Jesus Christ and you recognize that through the cross of Christ, we have been completely forgiven of all of our sins. We are spared from eternal damnation and hell and we are headed to heaven. How could you not want to do something for him? And so he says, that's how I base it. Because how could you sit there week after week after week after week? Maybe you're a Larry. I don't know. Only God knows the heart. And do nothing after all Christ has done for you. And as shocking as that might sound, folks, <laughs> one of the 80% there of that number might even be your pastor. Listen to this. This is why I couldn't wait to share this. Here's some actual pastors in the American church right now today. Got the interview. Okay, they're admitting they're fake, they're phony, and they refuse to tell their church 
Listen to this. Here it is. Wes, he's a Methodist. He lost confidence in the Bible while attending a liberal Christian college and seminary. He said, I went to college thinking Adam and Eve were real people, he explained, but now he no longer believes that God exists. He's a pastor. His church members don't know he's an atheist, but he explains that they are somewhat liberal themselves, and his ministerial colleagues are even more liberal. They don't believe Jesus rose from the dead literally in the church. They don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. They don't believe all those things that would cause a big stir in their churches because it's all just about the steeples and the stained glass windows and the clothes and the fun and the pot. Hey, he's not the only one. Rick, he's a campus minister for the United Church of Christ. He was an agnostic in college and seems to have lost all belief by the time he graduated from seminary. And he chose ordination in the UCC because it required, quote, no force doctrine. Just come on in, okay? And even as he graduated from seminary, he says, listen, I know I'm not going to make it in the conventional church, you know, some place like Sunrise, okay? He knew he couldn't go into a church and teach his own theological views. He doesn't believe all this creedal stuff about the incarnation of Christ or the need for salvation. But he remained in the ministry because, that's right, Tom, these are my people. This is the context in which I work. These are the people that I know. In the pulpit, his mode of talk, listen, as if he does believe, he fakes it, quote, as long as you're talking about God and Jesus in the Bible, that's what they want to hear. Besides, language is ambiguous, and it can be heard in many different ways. In the pulpit. Okay, he's not the only one. Daryl, he's a Presbyterian. And notice it's all across the board, folks. Uh, he uh, considers himself a progressive-minded pastor who wants to see his kind of non-doctrinal Christianity, quote, given validity in some way. He acknowledges that he's a more of a pantheist, many gods, okay, than a theist, and he thinks that uh, many of the more educated members of his church hold the same liberal beliefs as his own. And those beliefs or unbeliefs are stated clearly. I reject the virgin birth. I reject substitutionary atonement. I reject the divinity of Jesus. I reject heaven and hell in the traditional sense, and I am not alone. How could we see those stats earlier about people professing to know Christ be the way they are? Well, maybe it rolls downhill from what they're getting in the pulpit or not getting in the pulpit. Amazingly, Daryl's candid about the fact that he remains in ministry, Al, largely for financial reasons. It's how he provides for his family. And if he openly espouses his beliefs, i.e. told the truth, quote, I may be burning bridges in terms of my ability to earn a living this way. Liar. Eject him. And Adam, he ministers in the Church of Christ. After years in the ministry, he began to lose all theological confidence. He's moved into a full-time uh, atheist mode, yet he now continues to lead his church in worship. How? Listen to this guy. He goes, here's how I'm handling my job on Sunday mornings. You know, as an atheist, leading worships to God. Direct quote. He said, I see it as play acting. I see myself as taking on the role of a believer in a worship service and performing. You know, like a movie, a play. His own words. This atheistic agnostic stays in the ministry because he likes the people and, quote, I need the job still. If he had an alternative source of income, he would take it. He feels hypocritical but no longer believes that hypocrisy is wrong. Unless you don't think this is affecting the whole of the American church, who's the last one here? John, where's he from, folks? He's a Southern Baptist pastor. At least he says he is who has primarily served as a worship leader. He was attracted to Christianity as a religion of love, but his pursuit of Christianity brought me to the uh, point of not believing in God. As he explains, I didn't plan to become an atheist. I didn't even want to become an atheist. I just had no choice if I'm being honest with myself. Well, he's clearly not being honest with his church members. He rejects all belief in God and all Christian truth claims out of hand. He's a determined atheist in the pulpit. And once again, this unbelieving pastor admits that he stays in the ministry because of finances. Amazingly, he even sets a price. Quote, if somebody said, here, pastor, here's $200,000, I'd be turning in my notice this week because then I could pay off everything. In the church. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> 
I like what Gilbert Tennant said way back in 1739. Great American heritage here. He says this, he's talking about phony pastors. He says, if they will not remove themselves from the ministry, they must be removed. If they lack the integrity to resign from their pulpits, the churches must muster the integrity to eject them. Why? Because they are fake, they are phonies, they are apostates in the church, and they're going to ruin the church every single time. And again, as we saw before, I don't know somebody's heart. You don't know somebody's heart. But God does. And this is what's awesome. God once again comes to our aid. When it comes to these phony baloney believers in the church, in the last days, even pastors, God does not leave us hanging high and dry, wondering who's who. And, and what is there? Is it real? Is it, is it, what is it? He tells us exactly how to spot him. And we're going to deal with those four ways. The first way that he tells us how to spot one of these phony believers in the church in the last days, just like Judas Iscariot, is watch this. It's when they worship God with their head, but not their heart. When they worship God with their head, but not their heart, this is what James clearly tells us. James chapter two, verse 14 through 17 and 19, he says, hey, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he's got no deeds? Can that kind of a faith, can that save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but you do nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? What kind of baloney is that? He said, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. You believe there's one God? Good. <laughs> Even the demons believe in God, and they what? They shut. Are demons saved? No. People, the Bible simply declares, James speaking here, the apostle, he says, not all faith is saving faith. Isn't that the buzzword? Well, I got faith, brother. Yeah, faith in what? Faith in yourself, faith in that pew, faith in the chicken god of Mars, faith in what? It's, it's, it's a generic term nowadays, okay? Faith in what? All faith is not saving faith. The Bible says if your so-called faith is not accompanied by appropriate action, it's not just fake, it's dead. And here's the point, folks. Don't you think the devil knows this? Of course he does, and here's what he does. He tricks people in the church in the last days into thinking that faith, uh, Christian faith, is just having this head knowledge of God instead of a heart knowledge of God. In other words, you just gotta give a mental assent that God or Jesus exists. That's not the gospel. Even the demons believe in God, and they shudder, right? So if you believe there's a God and, or just a historical person named Jesus, whip de doo da that all that did put you on the same par with the demons. And the Bible says that's a dead faith. And folks, it is my contention that this dead faith syndrome has become an epidemic in the American church right now, exactly like God said was going to happen in the last days. And the reason why is because many people today in churches think it's no big deal, no big deal to not get involved, to not get serious about going to church services because after all, you don't want to be labeled one of those Jesus freaks, do you? Get too serious about this stuff. And people, I'm telling you, this behavior is apathetic. It's so commonplace in the church today. Again, just like the 2080 rule, whatever that is, we crack jokes about this too. Like this one. There was these three country churches in a small Texas town. And they were being overrun by some pretty pesky squirrels, right? So the first church out, they called a meeting together to decide what to do about these squirrels. And so after much prayer and consideration, they determined that the squirrels were predestined to be there and they should not interfere with God's divine will. Well, the second church got together and they decided they weren't in a position to harm any of God's creation, so they humanely trapped the squirrels and then set them free a few miles outside of town. But three days later, guess what? Squirrels were back. 
but it was only the third church that was able to come up with the best and the most effective solution. You see, they decided to baptize the squirrels and register them as members of the church. Yeah, and you know why? Because now they only see them on Christmas and Easter. Ooh. Now, that's kind of a nervous laughter, isn't it? That joke is kind of funny, but it's funny because it's so true, isn't it? But the reason why it's not really that funny is because when you realize those who are acting like these squirrely Christians, they may not even be Christians at all. People, I'm telling you, we have got to wake up in the American church. A true Christian is not one who lives for God just twice a year. Excuse me? They live for Jesus Christ every single day of their lives, and God uses them to transform this world. John Wesley said, give me 10 people who hate nothing but sin, who fear nothing but God, and who love nothing but Jesus, and I can change this world. And I got to thinking about this, and I thought, well, gee whiz, maybe this is why the American church seems to have such a hard time changing the world nowadays. In fact, it seems like the world's having an easy time changing the American church, right? Why? Well, because maybe it's this, folks. Maybe it's because the American church, just like God said what happened in the last days, are flooded with people who worship God with their heads, not their hearts. Maybe the American church is flooded full of squirrely, fake Christians. Could be. The second way that God tells us how we can spot these phony believers in the church, just like Judas Iscariot, right in the midst of it, is when they worship God with their lips, but not their lives. They just make that claim, and somehow you're in, I guess. That's not what the Bible says. Titus, Paul's talking to young pastor Titus. Here's what he encourages him with. You better pay attention, young pastor. Titus chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and what? unbelieving the proof is in the pudding okay because their minds and their consciences are defiled such people what claim they know god oh i'm a christian aren't you they claim to know god but they deny him by the way they live they are despicable and disobedient worthless for doing anything good that's some pretty harsh words right people about declares to you and i that not everyone who claims to know god really belongs to god right says it right there in fact, if all they do is give God lip service instead of life service, then their so-called faith is worthless. It's despicable. Paul said it. I didn't. And people of the devil knows this. And so here's what he does, especially in the last days. He knows the Bible. He tricks people in the church into thinking that, you, that no, no, all you have to do is, you don't have to live like a Christian. No, no, no. You just, you just claim you're a Christian. And somehow you're one. Don't we see that in politics today? Do you think it's only there? It's in the church too. You gotta have something more going on than just saying you're a Christian, okay? And we're fooling ourselves, folks. If we think we could send up a storm six days a week and go to a church service on the seventh and somehow everything's fine. As we just read, anybody can claim they know God all they want, but if they deny that claim by the way they live, they are being a hypocrite. And it's not just detrimental to your soul, it's detrimental to the souls around you. The world doesn't know any different. This is what's horrible. If a person claims to be a Christian, they may not even know Christ. The world doesn't know, and they take a look at their behavior, and it turns them away from God. One person said this, the number one cause of atheism is Christianity. Christians. He said, those who proclaim God with their mouths but deny him with their lifestyles are what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. 
And folks, I'm telling you, I, it's my contention, this lip service syndrome is now an epidemic in the American church, especially in these last days. Many people in the American church think that all you gotta do is just claim you know God, say the right stuff, and somehow you belong to God, and that's not true. The Bible says people, Christian, being a Christian is one who does not just live for God just one hour a week. They live for him every single day and God will use them to light this world on fire. Once again, John Wesley says this. They were, people ask why, and this is before they had modern transportation. He says, why is it, Mr. Wesley, people come for miles and miles to hear you preach? And he says this, it's simple. When you light yourself on fire for Jesus Christ, people will come for miles just to watch you burn. I got to thinking, maybe this is why. Maybe this is why the American church seems to just, we, we, we just can't seem to get the fires of revival going across our nation again. Maybe it's because we're flooded with people who are worshiping God with their lips, but not their lives. Maybe we're in the last days and the American church is full of phony Christians with no fire. But that's not all. The third way God tells us to spot these phony believers, just like Jesus Iscariot, right in the midst of us, is when people worship God with their thoughts, but not the truth. Okay, you come here, you might even flip open a Bible, but you don't support this, you don't believe in this, and you don't act on it, and you doubt it. And that's a big problem. But hey, it answers a whole lot of problems that we see in the church. This is what 1 John tells us, okay? The Apostle John, this is awesome. This explains our opening text. How could these people turn away? It says right there in the last days in 1 Timothy 4, our opening text, he says, uh, they, they abandoned the faith. Well, that means they lost their salvation. No, you can't lose your salvation. What it means is they were never saved in the first place if they left Christianity for a lie. I didn't say that, John did. 1 John 2, 18, 19, he says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, the church, but they didn't really belong to us. Well, how do you know that? Well, because if they had belonged to us, i.e. were true Christians, they would have what? Remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. If you're a true born-again Christian, the Bible's clear, God keeps you. Anybody glad for that? And so if you truly lead the Christian faith, I only, I only God knows the heart, then the Bible says you weren't saved in the first place. And what this tells us, guys, is the Bible's clear. Not everybody goes to a church service belongs to the church is what he says. If they walk away from the truth and start following an absolute lie, then it only shows they were never saved in the first place. And again, this explains our opening text with the abandoning of the faith. It's not uh, people losing their salvation. It's people who were never saved in the first place and they're leaving the church. And the devil knows this, and so this is what he does. And he gets us to thinking and being politically correct that, that, that that's just what it is. There, there's many roads to heaven. Jesus is not the only way to God. No, there's many ways to God, don't you know? But people, the Bible says, uh, number one, that's calling Jesus Christ a liar who says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And second of all, I don't think God's going to bend his truth to your man-made thoughts. Yes, it might be politically correct. Yeah, it might sound wonderful. It might sound nice. But one day, guess what? The truth is going to be known if that's truly what you believe, like this story reveals. There was a counterfeit Christian. He says it's just like a counterfeit $10 bill. He said, for instance, let's suppose you got this uh, counterfeit bill, but you don't know it. You think it's genuine. And so sure enough, you use it to pay for some gas or something. But he says, as soon as it makes its way to the bank, the bank teller spots the phone and says, I'm sorry, this bill is out of circulation. It's counterfeit. And so they take that bill, and even though it might have done some good while it was in circulation, when it arrived at the bank, it was exposed for what it really was and put out of circulation. And he says this, and so it is with the counterfeit Christian in the church. 
They may do a lot of good things and good religious deeds with their life, but when they face Jesus Christ at the final judgment, they will be immediately rejected. Immediately rejected. People, the Bible says that if a person professes to be a Christian yet walks away from the truth of Jesus Christ, certainly in him being the only way to heaven, then they're a counterfeit. They were never saved in the first place. I don't care if they were a pastor. That's what the Bible says. And I got to think about this. Well, maybe this is why. Maybe, maybe this is why it seems so hard to get people in the church motivated to have that zeal for the lost. Maybe it's because the majority of the American church is still lost themselves. Because they're full of people worshiping God with their thoughts and not the truth. One more to go. The fourth way to spot a phony baloney believer just like Jesus is scary. The Bible says is when they start worshiping God with the religion and not a relationship, right? It's not about the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not about his birth coming to save humanity. It's, you know, it's just this Christian religion stuff, you know? And that's what you got to do because and, and, that's what it's all about. That's why you only show up twice a year, right? Wrong. This is what Jesus said to people uh, who would actually think this way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, isn't that a Christianese word? He said, you can say it all you want, but not everybody who says that to me will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? He said, but only he who does the will of my Father is in heaven. And then he says this, many will say to me on that day, judgment day, Lord, Lord. Can, you, can I explain the context for you here? If this is the judgment day that most people believe it is, the great white throne judgment, that means that upon dying, these people did not go to heaven, they went to hell. And the Bible says there is going to be a point in time when people actually get out of hell for a brief period. And that's at the end of the millennial kingdom at the great white throne judgment in the book of Revelation at the end where God raises up all the dead who've been in hell and they're going to stand before God. And they're going to finally be out of that absolute utter torment for however long they've been there. And just they're going to be before the glorious throne of God in these giant lines. And the Bible says the books of life are going to be open and then the books of works are going to be open and they're going to be judged. And because they did not trust in the work of Jesus Christ, but their own religious deeds. Can you imagine the utter shock? And these are people, dare I say, who probably are going to churches. And when they die and take their last breath, they don't go to heaven. They go to hell. And they've been there going, what happened? They're standing before God at the great white throne. Now put some emphasis behind these words. Lord? Lord? <laughs> what have I been doing in hell all this time? I was a pastor at a church. I, I, I got baptized. God, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord? And in your name, we, we drove out demons. We, we, we performed miracles. You, don't, you can do those. Those can all be counterfeit from Satan. And here's what Jesus said. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Not I knew you once and you lost it. I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Wow. People, Jesus says it on the line. He says, not everybody says to me, Lord, Lord really belongs to the Lord. And if your so-called faith is based on pious religious deeds instead of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says you don't belong to Christ. And one last time, the devil knows this. And here's what he's doing. I truly believe in the last days, he's got a methodology and it's working awesome. He gets people in the church to think that you just got to be a good religious person. You got to put some cash in the plate. You got to come down here and help around the grounds. But that's all you got to do. Just have some good religious deeds once in a while and you're in like Flynn. 
But people, the Bible is clear and Jesus is clear. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so we can get religious for him. He died on the cross so we could have a relationship with him. And I truly believe that this religious attitude is an epidemic in the church in the last days. And that's because many people who claim to be alive in Christ, they're actually dead in Christ. And it needs to be exposed. Like this young pastor did. Good technique. He said uh, there's this new minister in this uh, small Oklahoma town and he spent the first four days Desperately calling upon the church membership, the church membership. And they, he begged them to come to, hear, to his first services, but tries he might, nobody would come, the membership. So he decided to place a notice in the local newspaper stating that the church was dead, and it was his duty to give it a decent Christian burial the following Sunday. Well, this, of course, got the curiosity of the whole town, right? And everybody turned out, and when they got there, they saw this coffin. They, they saw this coffin right out in front, smothered in flowers, right in front of the pulpit there. And so after the, the minister, he's up there, he's reading the obituary, and he's delivering the eulogy, and he invites the congregation to come on down, one on at a time, form a line, and pay your respects to the dearly departed. Well, without a moment's hesitation, man, there's a long line that formed because everybody couldn't wait to see what in the world's inside this coffin. But as soon as each person took their turn, they peeped into the coffin there, a strange thing happened. As soon as they did, bang, they, they immediately turned away with a guilty look and got out of the sanctuary. And that's because the minister had placed a large mirror inside the coffin, which meant everyone saw themselves. Folks, as we close today, I place a mirror before us here at sunrise, and I place a mirror, if you will, before the American church. And I will say this. If you have to have your arm twisted to give up your time, your treasure, your talents, and your tongue for God, then maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you got a religion with God. And if you can't ever seem to get motivated on a regular basis to come hear the word of God, then maybe, unfortunately, one day you will hear from God, away from me, you evildoer, I never knew you. Why? Because maybe you are part and parcel of fulfilling what the Bible said would happen in the last days. You're a part of the apostasy because you're worshiping God, not with the truth, not with the one way of Jesus Christ, but with your religion, not a relationship. You're a part of the problem, not the solution. I'll say it again, folks. What more does God have to do? How many signs does he have to give us? He loves us. Even if you're here today, you're not even a true born again Christian. I don't know your heart. You're, you're fooling me, but you're not fooling God. He loves you. He doesn't want you to go in the seven-year tribulation. That's a horrid time. He doesn't want you to go to hell. That's even worse forever. He doesn't want you to be there and raised up at the last judgment, the great white throne going, oh, Lord. He doesn't want that for you. And this is why he's given us the sign of the rise of apostasy today to let us know it's getting close. You better get ready. You better take him up on his offer of salvation today. And this is why Jesus tells us, folks, we see this every single time, virtually Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place. When you see a time in the American church where pastors are behind the pulpit and they're lying to their congregations just to keep a job and they're atheists, you better stand up. You better Lift up your heads, man, because your redemption's drawn near. You're in that generation. Folks, we are in the final countdown. Like it, lump it, leave it or not, okay? And so if you're here today as a Christian, it's time to get busy. How many times have we got to go through this? Let's stop bickering. Let's stop fighting against each other. Let's start working together and be used of God to do great things for him. Maybe even, dare I say, by his spirit, save some souls. What a concept. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, 
Maybe you think you're a Christian. But maybe one of these four points to spot a phony Christian, God's tugging at your heart. Please respond. Please don't hear those words away from me. I never knew you. Respond to his love today. Respond because God knows who's real and God knows who's not. Nobody's full of nobody. In fact, even this guy knows who a true Christian is. We'll close in prayer after this. I think that if you're a true Christian, you don't consider Christianity just a part of your life. It is your life. And if you follow the teachings of the Bible, specifically uh, Mark 16:15, which says, go out into the world and preach the good news to all creation, then uh, you have an obligation to share that faith with others. If you saw a building on fire and you knew there were people in it, and you knew that you were capable of running in there and saving someone who wouldn't be able to help themselves, if you knew that you could help them, would you just stand there and do nothing? And unfortunately, by not clearly seeing the issue, I think that's what a lot of Christians do, is they just stand there. I think, by and large, most of it is that most Christians are not really well-educated as to their own religion's position on various issues. They consider worshiping Jesus to be part of their lives, but not their primary purpose. And I believe that true Christianity considers it to be the primary purpose. And if you're a true Christian, you believe that those who are not Christians, those who have not followed the teachings of the Bible, uh, that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, those people aren't going to heaven. They're going to hell. Hell's not a fun place. I have heard Christians, definitely, uh, that have the view that everyone is entitled to their own belief. And that's not necessarily a bad position to have, but if you believe that what they believe is going to earn them a place in eternal suffering, then there's a problem with that, in that you're allowing them to be tortured for eternity, while at the same time believing that you shouldn't save them from that. It's, it's very awkward. If you really believe that uh, people who are not Christians are going to hell, then that is a, a very serious consequence. And if you don't take that seriously, I think that you might be compromising your own belief system. Those who do take their faith seriously, they need to encourage or teach those who might not how important that is. Sometimes I think Christians are afraid of being labeled as a Bible thumper or uh, to have uh, negative connotations associated with them. But that's not necessarily negative if you're a Christian. I think it's something to be proud of. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Christian about the Bible or being a Bible thumper. It's something to be proud of. It's something that you take seriously. And it's something that you should encourage others to take seriously as well. And it might require you to challenge yourself to, you know, stand up in front of crowds, to talk to people that you don't know. Missionaries work in places uh, where the predominant religion is not Christianity. And that's a completely different scenario uh, than, you know, in most parts of the United States. But they, they take it in stride, they accept it, and they move on. You shouldn't take rejection personally, but consider it uh, that you gave them a fighting chance. You give them a fighting chance at heaven. 
even if, even if you do have to uh, risk offending someone or risk a friendship, uh, it's a simple matter of weighing priorities. If I were a Christian, of course I would take the Bible seriously. I respect people who take their beliefs seriously. And I would take the Bible's teachings seriously. Among those teachings is the idea that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And those that accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior go to heaven. Those that don't go to hell. And the implications of that are very far-reaching. And you're an atheist? Yes, I sure am. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short 
of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.